0: Nothing changes instantaneously.
1: In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously?
0: What the actual fuck?
2: Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power.
3: Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel?
4: whatever man sows, so shall he reap.
0: Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi friends, welcome to our analysis of Season 5, Episode 9 of The Hamming's Tale, which is entitled Allegiance. This is Bradley Whitford's Handmaid's Tale directorial debut, which we are so excited for. And the episode was written by Eric Tuckman, who also wrote a lot of our favorite episodes and specifically Nick and June Seeds, especially 409 Progress. But
4: let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Tina. Hi, I'm Ginger. Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Kimberly. Hi, I'm Mary
0: Gold. And I'm Kate. Quick aside, we actually had the honor of interviewing the Putnam's together this morning, and my voice did not sound like that then. I have progressively gotten sick as the day goes on. And so I apologize for my voice, but tune in Friday when our interview with Ever Carradine and Stephen Kunkin, aka the Putnam's, comes out. It's amazing. You're going to love it. They're lovely people. Okay, back to the episode. So this episode opens in an airport hangar. The raid is on. The first actual mission to get Hannah in the five years of the show yeah. is very exciting. We find out the school is actually still in Colorado Springs. And I'm like, you guys, Nick told you that like three weeks ago and nobody cared to act. But I guess some combination of the threat of New Bethlehem and Hannah in wife's school has finally changed Mark's mind as to his motivation in rescuing Hannah. And we learned that the wife school has been set up in a former Air Force Academy, where some friendlies there have identified 30 girls they want to get out, all stolen from their
1: parents. Likely the same friendlies from which Nick got his information a couple of weeks ago. I thought in between Nick's intel and the video, or in, in between that and the, I guess, the funeral, actually, it seemed like she elevated to wife school in between that. Unless, yeah,
0: she used to be at a, yeah, she was at a, uh, you know, domestic art school when he brought June the data and she was wearing pink and now she's mm-hmm. in wife school wearing purple. So, yeah, it did, it has changed.
2: I wonder if maybe at the school there's like a lot more kids than like at the wife
5: school. Probably. Yeah. Oh, it could be. Well, they mentioned that it's 30 girls who were all stolen. Yeah, so, like, 30, he made a point 32. to mention that. So it almost made it seem like may- they must have handpicked these girls to be the first wives in this new school that they're trying out.
0: Yeah. But back to the mission, they're sending three planes of elite military troops and paratroopers will jump from the first plane and help the other two land. Most importantly, they will kill anyone who gets in their way. And we get to meet the man in charge of the mission, Commander Elijah Vance. I'm just going to stop right here and ask if anyone has any thoughts. (laughs) commander I'm hottie those eyes oh like I... god they're hypnotizing he's a beautiful man He could get beautiful. anyone to do anything
3: i love that he was um he's called a commander i know he's like a military commander but it was a great parallel to gilead
0: it is interesting right but he's a good guy trying yeah. to save the kids you know a good dad
4: i would have jumped out of a plane uh, if he had asked me to and i i'm scared of heights <laughs> while i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> to go help hannah on Street into gilead <laughs> yeah yeah apparently
2: the actor was on the bachelor which i did not know really? until someone really? told me yeah interesting really. i think maybe he was like on the bachelorette sorry like a right contestant. so would be one of one, the one. of the yeah. guys yeah one of the guys yeah when you see like ot and lizzie walk up i feel like they're in a trance like looking into <laughs> <other> <laughs> than-
0: <laughs> yeah both of them uh on with the mission he knows all about hannah and when june tries to explain to him that the kids are going to be scared he cuts her off quickly but kindly telling her he's a dad too and even showing her a picture of his daughter emma he confidently tells her he plans to bring her daughter back home and go home to his and you can tell june relaxes as much as possible with hannah and elijah's hands june being june she demands to be allowed to watch the mission with Tuello from the command center because they got the intel to make this happen so then we see Luke and June driving. June's lost in thought out the window.
4: They said the wife school was at what was an old Air Force base. I thought that was really interesting. Like they must want to keep it really private or really secure. Or yeah. they suspected maybe when they came up with this whole thing that something like this might try and happen
0: um, yeah. with Hannah. That's a good point. Probably why they're able to defend it so well, eh? Mm-hmm. Exactly.
5: And I wonder mm-hmm. if, you know, Hannah being like the symbol or like, being at risk because of who her mother is had something to do with why this is all like so secure maybe
0: yeah, yeah i'm sure that this was a trap my only
2: thing was that uh Toella makes me laugh because he's always like well he always tells things to June and June's like no that's not happening he's like oh all right <laughs> <And> he just, <laughs> it just moves on with it like okay fine
3: I know <laughs> I think it's funny I'm like I think that is a little bit scared of June <laughs> yeah I think so
0: probably after that night when she's screaming I will yeah. kill you and then the next night she kills Fred <laughs> and he's like oh
1: she's serious <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> yeah <laughs> She did make a good point, though. The thing she said about other families didn't bring you the intel that. Yeah. Because I was like, well, she's she's got a point. Because at first he was pushing back like, no, you can't watch. And she's like, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're the ones who brought you the intel that got you here. so. Yeah. Meanwhile, back
0: at Serena's handmade gig, she's getting photos taken with Noah for the Gilead Fertility Center, and Serena suggests that actually having them there in the flesh at the opening would be even better. Mrs. Wheeler laughs that off as a ridiculous idea. Serena points out that that's the job I came here to do, and Mrs. Wheeler reminds her that she's a guest now, guest meaning prisoner, and her husband doesn't answer to those commanders. With the best head shake, which I know is amazing. Then they get into a little power struggle over breastfeeding versus pumping. And I think for the first time, Alanis Wheeler straight up calls the baby hers. Yeah. My smart boy won't get confused. Thank and you. orders Serena to pump for the next time. And Serena acquiesces, crying, as she takes the baby for one last feed. And I just want to say something here that someone said on Twitter on our page. Everybody follow us on Twitter and Instagram. DS Cunning 27, a.k.a. Tootie is a team black, said, even though Serena's situation... And this is actually a loose quote, but even though they want us to feel bad for Serena, Serena's worst day here has been better than June's best day at the Waterfords. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I still like what they've done with it, and you know, basically turned into a handmaid without turning into a handmaid, but it mm-hmm. doesn't even compare even like, no, though for doesn't. the two weeks she's been here or however long. I guess she's been here for a couple months. Which is
5: funny because Serena can't handle it and she keeps whining to June of all people about right. how
0: awful it is. Right.
5: Like, I can't. And it's a million yeah. times better.
0: She's allowed to breastfeed. She's not being
1: like beaten. It keeps reminding me of what June said to Serena when she confronted her at the um, the other prison because when she used the word fraction, I keep l- thinking about how this isn't even a fraction of what what June went through when she was at the Waterford. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And
6: when Alanis wants that Surin start pumping again, I can't help but think it's because they want to get rid of serena and keep noah so um it's also crazy that alani says that noah is missing the bottle you know uh even though it's yeah. clearly easier to feel mm-hmm. uh, right. to feel a human with a bottle yeah <laughs> uh, than breastfeeding and also it's very clear that the baby wants his mom because as soon as uh, Serena picks him up, Noah comes down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same as as before with the Waterfords. Like
1: everything that Alanis is saying defies logic. The same way everything all of it, Serena's instincts when June was in her house defied logic. And it's, it's, it's the same type of parallel.
5: Well, I, th- I thought it was interesting because Alanis was when Serena was taking the picture, she's like, it has to be perfect. It's going in the reception area and the first thing people will see and immediately it just reminds me of that where she's like on the outside that like good little gilead representative where she's making everything look perfect and formal and lovely but underneath it's just sinister and evil and awful like but you know she portrays that so well genevieve is just incredible yeah she's great
1: i had a comment uh, just real quick that i love genevieve's diction in this scene the way she says pump pump it just like Uh pumps in her mouth I just love like (laughs) the way she delivers her lines is just perfection
4: yeah And did did everyone notice there was a moment where Serena was gonna push back on Mrs. Wheeler until you could almost see in her head she was remembering what June said about you need to play the part and you need to like you know stay in line until you can get you know what you need to do like done I thought that was really um really cool little like nod
1: yeah mm-hmm.
4: i'd love to know more
2: about um mr wheeler specifically just because she says um that her husband doesn't answer to those commanders and i just love to know a backstory about like how and why and when and how where, yes. why
5: when <laughs> yeah all of it it's a pretty sweet deal though for the wheelers especially mr wheeler because they get to like be the gilead people they want to be And try to have control and do things that the way they do it but they get the freedom of Mm -hmm. not being in Gilead to actually do the things they want to do which is ironic because it's kind of that perfect world that Serena wanted like she wants to have control and run her own like pseudo Gilead but she didn't like being in Gilead because they took away her rights because she's a woman so this is like it's kind of a cool parallel I guess yeah I took it as like she was just having like a power trip I feel like they would have to answer to
3: the Gilead commanders on what to do with Serena
0: then we've got another Lydia and Lawrence scene, but something's different this time, especially when he seems genuine when he tells Lydia he appreciates her being here. Like, he's very nervous about something and he's seeking comfort from Lydia. What is going on?
5: I also thought it was funny that the way they're sitting because he's in a chair and she's standing by him. And when I first yeah. saw it, I'm like, it reminds me of like Santa and Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> <That fits.
0: laughs> then uh, another extremely nervous human enters the scene. It's Naomi Putnam. I don't think we've ever seen her more nervous, which makes sense, since her husband was just shot without warning on the orders of this man, who has apparently summoned her. Lawrence offers her tea, and she seems to regret saying no thank you, and adds, no, but you guys can have tea. Lawrence is like, no, I hate tea, and it's just like deliciously awkward. So Lawrence gets to the point. He's been considering what to do about Naomi's future, and she interrupts with her biggest fear. Please don't send me to the colonies. And Lawrence and Lydia are completely taken aback that that's what she thinks that they called her here for that they'd ever think such a thing and my favorite line comes after he says she's not at fault for her husband's sins and he continues are you kidding that guy and it's just delivery. um and he's and he continues no he deserves a reward for putting up with him and she's suddenly like oh a reward i was laughing through the entire scene Evers amazing in this scene yeah. i wonder
2: what reward like naomi thought she was gonna get like a few macaroon <laughs> towels, <so> like <laughs> I don't know. I, she's just
0: very. She was so excited. Materialistic, I don't know, but she was. She's yeah. so excited. And Lawrence is like, um, sorta, because we're talking about him now as the reward. <laughs> and lydia lydia tells her she can't remain a widow with a young child and continue to live in her house and naomi hilariously thinks oh i get it now oh okay oh it's just the house is too big no problem i get that you can have that you just find me a nice condo in brooklyn or back bay (laughs) and lawrence is like for christ's sake we're not your realtors and then the (laughs) proposal i just i like when proposals go like horribly astray and none has ever gone like as poorly as this one. It's a good scene. Finally, it's <laughs> like, for fuck's sake, Lawrence, just, may I suggest you get to the fucking point? She didn't say for fuck's sake, but it'd be cool she did. And Lawrence issues the most romantic marriage proposal. It's a quid pro quo. You need security. I need to represent traditional Gilead values so you can move in here with the kid if you want. The kid. And Naomi voices my exact thoughts perfectly. <gasps> this is a marriage proposal? Yep. Yepers. I think Lauren says yepers. The
4: way he's like <laughs> slapping his knees and he's like, yep, yep, yep. He was so happy so, he did not have to say marriage proposal. Yeah. He was like, oh thank God you said it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then just so what do you say?
6: Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> my God. If anybody from Hulu is listening and you have access to give us like the outtakes for the yeah. oh like, my God! please, 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 like, please. send it, Email
0: it to us. Okay so much. All our money. This is a delightful scene. I laughed so much. I was hanging over. <laughs> Lydia drops some Gilead bullshit and they all talk about how much everyone loves First Corinthians. <laughs> Which we do, right? Because
1: <laughs> um
0: and Lawrence takes his leave, telling her it's just a suggestion. Think about it. And then he eavesdrops from the hallway, as Naomi points out, her very obvious hesitation. Um, that dude had Warren killed in front of me. Like, I don't even know how many days ago. Lydia, t- Lydia tells her he's willing to overlook that. I <laughs> wouldn't he be. And so should Naomi. As Lawrence looks heartbroken in the hall. Like, what did you guys think of how nervous and sad he was here? Does, oh, does he actually have know. a thing for Naomi? Like, it was feeling to me like no, he has yeah, a thing for, I for Naomi. I think it's the opposite. Think he's thinking. <laughs> Eleanor but it's definitely not something I've ever seen okay all right he was sad because the whole
5: the whole season he talks about like he doesn't want to get married and he keeps talking about Eleanor so I think this is like if he does this like he's officially yeah that tie is broken like he'd have to take off that wedding ring I mean I don't know if he got a new one but basically it's like that marriage is over and he doesn't want that
1: I can okay. literally see him in a wedding ceremony just taking it off and then having handing it to her and have her put it back on him yeah, like yeah. I, can yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they got married and he was
4: like you want your condo like you can go have your condo with a kid right like yeah. he just kids. needs
1: a wife come to like, dinner when we need yeah, yeah. exactly I don't even know if i got that it was a sentimental moment he may have been thinking about eleanor but i think it was more that this is like shit like like i don't know like that he has to do this because i think he would have been perfectly fine perfectly happy just living out his days as a bachelor until he died Mm -hmm. he did not want a wife he did not want to take a wife but i think you know he understands the practicality of it and of course that the other commanders keep reminding him of how he needs to follow gilead values and so he's been pushed into a corner and he has to do this he's being forced yeah can you imagine him with naomi as his wife and the the little kid running around i mean he's no. gonna his- he's gonna hate it so much yeah mm-hmm.
2: well, it's gonna be terrible. serena was
0: such a better option for me for lawrence serena and lawrence i feel like, like- at least naomi
2: like naomi probably won't cause like the trouble that serena no. would. yeah
4: that's yeah. what i was thinking yeah. she'll yeah. let him do his thing and just you know, I got my macaroni towers. You go do your thing. We're all good.
5: Yeah. It's funny though, because he's got like his two proposals this season, like arranged marriages, and both <laughs> of them are with women who have kids.
6: Yeah. yeah. I felt that he was nervous. Um, He doesn't like marriage, you know, yeah. he's doing only because he had to do it. And yeah. also, it, it was kind of weird the wording that. On Lydia said that he has to do it to be a a true leader in in Gilead. He needs to marry. So the wording is like, it's very interesting, you know? Yeah,
2: he basically has to do it. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. like Mackenzie's going to get on his ass
0: again, probably yeah i guess i was also surprised he was like eavesdropping in the hall after like to me lawrence would have been yeah. like all right i did that piece and like i don't know yeah. whatever he does listen to his music or whatever
3: maybe he just like wanted to know like if what don't she was out. thinking yeah. like is it, is it is she actually gonna say yes or i going mean, to yeah. have to force this on her which
5: yeah. <laughs> She did say to him, though, um, I have a choice and she looked horrified and he had said that's hurtful. Yeah. So I was kind that of was thinking, so like, funny. I, I was kind <laughs> of thinking, though, that like he kind of feels bad because he doesn't like the ceremony. Like he's never been into that and he's not into like forcing women like that was never a part yeah. of his vision. He's not into forcing women to do things. So I, I think maybe he said that like as a joke, but also to kind of play off like. She's making it sound like I'm being she's being forced to do this and he's not that kind of guy and doesn't want to force a woman to make a
6: choice. That's exactly how I took mm-hmm. it. Um yeah. like I think he's way more good choice than other commander like mm-hmm. Putnam or yeah. whatever. You
5: know? Right, he doesn't yeah. want to be lumped in with guys like that, like actual
1: rapists. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, and Ginger, you just brought up a really good point I hadn't thought about because you mentioned how you know he doesn't want, he doesn't like the ceremonies, he doesn't want to force women, but Naomi was on board with the ceremonies, and I'm kind of curious, like his wife was in an agreement yeah. with him that she didn't want, even if they had a handmaid for for just um, the optics of it, she was fine with them not going through it because it horrified her. Naomi isn't of the same mindset, so it, it also makes me wonder if he worried that now that this sort of foreign woman is coming is invading his space and cramping his style if he's going to be forced to do other things within the the Gilead values that he doesn't want to do
0: I suspect he thinks he can control her I think that he like maybe they'll even get Esther's kid
6: I don't know I don't want to think about that but Mm -hmm. I feel like he can trump her and I think that Naomi thinks that Lawrence is a killer because he saw that but maybe she's like she's right she's right oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, she's scared but also she I don't know if she knows that Lawrence doesn't have ceremonies or I don't
3: think she knows
6: that yeah I liked in the scene that
3: um, Lawrence said, I hate tea because tea can also mean gossip. And I'm like, well, it's uh-huh. ironic because he's <laughs> using the, the tea or the gossip from Aunt Lydia to get yeah. his power and his position. So like, I like that double meaning.
5: Really quick. I loved his quid pro quo line because it reminded me as soon as he said that it reminded me of when he said he was grooming Nick, but not sexually, which I still can't stop laughing at. And I was like, God, he is like the stuff of hr nightmares with the way he keeps saying like (laughs) all these awful things
0: and serena's doing her very best june impression as she finds mr wheeler alone by the fire late at night and she attempts to manipulate him he's not as dumb as fred though and the constant look on his face of not buying her shit and then finally saying look i think i'm suitably buttered up uh what do you want is just like fantastic acting by Lucas Neff, directing by Brad, obviously. Everything about these scenes so far, like I've loved so much. Then Yvonne delivers a good power Serena speech about why she should be at the Fatality Center opening. And he clearly prefers the last meek Serena and responds, that's a nice pitch. And when she says, praise be, he looks back at whatever he's doing. And it's like, oh yeah.
6: I don't know if you notice, but when Serena opens the glass door to see the mis- Mr. Wheeler, you can see the image of the nightstands uh, overlap with the glass door and looks like the Gilead flag mm-hmm. because of the race. No mm-hmm. right. yeah. so what? The Gilead what?
0: Flag. That's so the cool. The Gilead flag. Oh, shit. That's amazing. I
6: did not catch that. Nice
0: catch. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool.
2: I am. Um, I love how Mr. Wheeler like he only needed one because obviously this this scene is so different compared to the first scene that they had where it seemed like he was I, can, I don't know if he was kind of into her but like he was into like Serena being pregnant and the whole thing and like um her wanting to go um supposedly kill June and now he's just like no nah. but like whereas Fred like he took like fifty thousand times to realize June was like fucking with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah (laughs) so he obviously knows what's going on more than Fred does which I thought was funny
1: I like that too
0: even when Fred finally did we were like wait does Fred get it now no now we're in the command room for the raid and watching screens live we see the planes moving towards the school and I cannot rave enough about the music Adam Taylor wrote for these scenes It, it elevates these scenes to me Beyond uh, it's amazing. They're amazing. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it switches to Hannah's perspective, saying a good night prayer before they get into their creepy little alien pods. Hannah's turning the pages of her coloring book or drawing book or whatever this is, and she picks up a pen and she writes her name, her real name. Oh my god. I don't think those words could ever mean so much as they do in this particular show. It's a big fucking deal. Like that was
2: shocking. I had goosebumps like the whole time. I know. That whole Same. thing. The
1: whole thing because she she apparently is hiding a pencil yeah. she and because yeah. she kind of gets it out of a stash and she's looking behind her to make sure nobody's seeing her she gets this this hidden you know contraband pencil out and then she's in she takes out this drawing that apparently she's drawn and then writes her real name and I had a question about, I can't remember how old she was supposed to be when she was captured. Do you guys remember? Four or five. Yeah. Four or five. Those of you who have kids is, would she have already been reading and writing by, by five? I don't yeah. know. Her name. Yeah. yeah she'd be writing yeah. her name. Yeah. some yeah. numbers yeah.
0: and she kind of wrote it like a four-year-old too like true yeah
1: yeah I, I I just find it interesting that either she still retains that ability or learning, because right. or somebody taught her
5: I feel like somebody taught her because I have so many questions now because now I'm thinking of Maybe like her Martha. yeah the Martha when they the video was sent and she looked very suspicious and she looks like she, she
1: sees somebody she recognizes when in the video she yeah, does a double she, take
5: and then she's got a pencil like who? someone had to give her that. And I do feel like somebody would have had to have maybe helped her write her name. Right. Because even if you learn mm-hmm. how to write your name as a four year old, then you don't do it for what? Eight exactly. Years? Mm-hmm. Or maybe Mrs. McKenzie
0: did like maybe her mom or her Martha you know helped her retain some of that knowledge
1: her martha maybe i could see maybe that
0: yeah francis yeah francis was awesome Hmm. yeah i mean like not only does she remember her old life her real name but she's a rebellious badass Mm -hmm. and her mom risking yeah she's not allowed to the power of names is such a big theme in this show that like i love it's just so many chills
5: But I love how they intercut it with June, though. Like they're showing Hannah praying, then they show June praying. I just thought that the way they filmed that was just genius.
1: Absolutely. And like you said, Kate, with the music, the whole like the whole thing had me I had goosebumps the whole time.
2: I almost teared up a little bit when June first looked up the f- up at the live feed and she's like hey banana me oh, too yeah, oh that was so banana. sweet the whole scene like I just love the whole thing like I reckon it's probably one of my faves it just gave yeah. me all the feels
1: this yeah. is definitely yeah. my favorite scene in this episode I, I love this scene
0: yeah it's so gut-wrenching yeah and it's switching back and forth between June and Hannah and June saying you're coming home banana When the planes turn into red circles on the screen and say, no data. They rush Luke and June out of the room. Get them out of here. And Mark comes into the hallway to confirm their fears and my fears. The planes were shot down. Elijah and all the elite crew are dead. Mm -hmm. Gilead anticipated their mission and they moved their anti-aircraft systems and took all three planes down as soon as they crossed the border. Luke is clearly devastated. June too. For her, it's personal. Obviously, they've not gotten Hannah, but she also just met Elijah and saw a photo of his daughter. But it's also just more tallies on the unending list of the guilt she carries on her shoulders already.
5: That's immediately what I thought. Like more guilt, more blood on her hands that she doesn't want. Yeah. We, had, we probably all
4: had very strong suspicions it was not going to be a successful mission. Right. How did everyone think it was actually going to go wrong? Because in my head, I thought they were actually going to get much closer to the school. But they actually said the planes got shot down as soon as they went across the border. Yeah. Like I yeah, thought it was going right, to be yeah. a lot more dramatic where they actually got very, very close to getting yeah. hannah and at the last mm-hmm. minute yeah got ripped yeah. out from underneath them i
1: think i did too
4: i actually thought the polar opposite of what happened which was that
0: hannah was going to refuse to go somehow or fuck up the
1: oh, oh wow
0: i also wondered that they were going to reveal that she had been brainwashed and it was time to let go of that
1: that had always been my suspicion though that that if they tried to extract her that she would it would be it would be kicking and screaming because she's totally indoctrinated and that's her home right. However, because of the scene, now I'm maybe rethinking that. I don't know.
5: I was just going to say they showed us in 403 that she seemed brainwashed. I mean, at least that's how she appeared when June saw her. Which is probably scared shitless as well. So, yeah, I right. think that's all yeah. we can
0: tell from that is she's scared shitless. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. But it makes sense. She's in a box and like her yeah. mom is a prisoner. Like, and she doesn't look so tortured good. and looks <laughs> like shit. Her mom looks scary. So, like, I always thought that Hannah didn't really identify as herself as Hannah anymore. So, like, that was like a huge turning moment for me. Like, I'm like, okay, there's hope that like she might yeah. want to leave
2: Gilead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was a shocking moment. I thought me. maybe we. You might see like an aerial shot of like you know how sometimes you can see the actual images like of what's mm-hmm. going on and I thought maybe like they'd grab Hannah and like yeah they'd have like arms next to her and Hannah was like go and get me and then like mm-hmm. like someone from Gilead would like drag her away oh. yeah <laughs> yeah but
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
6: so I think that probably would have been they're even crueler
2: than they are even yeah. crueler yeah. than what we saw but so yeah. i'm kind of glad that we. Did.
6: yeah i i was thinking that there must be a mold within the american service is if they knew about the operation
3: yeah i was wondering that too right.
6: the wheelers
3: yeah maybe the wheelers i don't
6: know uh, i was talking to scarlett and we were talking that maybe the wheelers have some Guy within the American service and and give that information to Gideon, I don't know, maybe in exchange for something else, you know? So
2: I have this this really sad thought. Did Lauren set this whole thing up on purpose by sending her the CD and then knowing that June would not go with New Bethlehem? And then so like they he knew that June was going to set this whole thing up, like, well, giving Toella the CD and then this would all happen. Like, this is my really horrible, horrible
3: thought. I think mm, think
2: you're
4: right. I think so. Yeah. That was my my
6: fear and that that was... Uh, intentional to force and uh, Doom to pick yeah. up a uh,
1: new bedlam. because this was the the video and then Twello finding the location was like oh now I don't need to take up Lawrence on his offer because yeah, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna extract Hannah this mm-hmm. way this was like a last resort this was like you know the the last. Ditch attempt to try and get her daughter, and like with this one failing, it it, like she kind of you know she didn't seem to 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 give up because she says we're not there yet, but she says to Twello, what next? What are we going to do now? But it it just sort of seems to me like that could be true that this last failed attempt would push her over the edge to like okay, now I'll go to New Bethlehem.
5: Well, I kind of thought that too because when he when him and June have the phone call, it made it seem like this was him, so that's why I kind of. I hate to think Kimberly that your theory is true but it seems uh, like it probably is yeah
2: I'm so upset I'm so upset by that I'm just like I'm devastated
1: like well and on the phone call like he's probably hoping like well now that that failed now she's gonna this is the phone call where she's gonna say okay fine I'll, I'll go along with your, your idea and I'll go to New Bethlehem but the phone call did not go that way
4: right it, mm. it kind of would have illustrated her like Hannah is not getting out like look you had yeah. this mm. really good attempt at it I have to go in she's not coming to you you have to come to her
3: yeah but i find it hard to believe that lawrence would think like okay now june is willing to go to new bethlehem she knows yeah. that like he crossed her i don't know like he's a smart man
2: he's smart. almost like delusioned by this whole idea of him like yeah um, he really seems creating to be. the
5: new bethlehem
6: he's pushing new bethlehem yeah.
5: yeah it's like the power has gone to his head or something
2: i just feel like he wants so badly to try and yeah um, create what he first wanted that gilead to be and it's exactly just, it's just all yeah. going kind of wrong so far and he's just trying to push it and push it and then his keeps getting worse and worse and worse
1: <laughs>
5: mm-hmm, yeah it's like yes. he's got a one-track mind and he can't yeah he's willing to go as far as he needs to go to make this happen which It's just ironic because he's trying to make things better. I don't know. I guess it's the whole line of what's Fred's line. Better
4: never means better for everyone.
5: Right. And it's almost like maybe that's kind of what i'm thinking of here where like he's trying to make it better for everyone but he's gonna make it worse for june
3: yeah i think he's like willing to make sacrifices for the greater good like that's always been like his vision and there's going to be some casualties and unfortunately he views june as one of those casualties i feel
0: like of his decisions Next up, we have a phone call between June and Lawrence. He is just using June as a pun now, it seems, which is unfortunate because I loved his relationship with June. And I also love him much more as a multi-dimensional character instead of just a straight-up villain. He tells her she can still come to New Bethlehem. He doesn't have a lot of pity for, you know, what happened at the Hannah Raid. Presumably it's his fault. I mean, we don't know that, but it just kind of feels like that to me. He tells Jane she can still come to New Bethlehem and she can be with Nick because he's moving his family to New Bassey. And she's clearly affected by hearing this every- First, but then she gets like—I mean, like for a moment—and then she gets pissed and yells at him. Do you think you can just dangle Nick in front of me and get whatever you want? And when Lawrence pushes for her to publicly apologize for the Hannah rage, she just loses it and she screams it in. Gilead is an evil place, and you're still a part of it. You are, even though I know you don't want it. And he says he's doing what he promised Eleanor, trying to fix it step by step. And then June makes a very surprising decision—not just telling him that his wife hated him, but also that she watched her die. And he confirms our suspicions of his suspicions that he had already suspected she had something to do with it. But still says Eleanor would want him to help June and Hannah. Lawrence is crying. Bradley's incredible in the scene. I wonder what it's like directing yourself. Anyway, Lizzie is off the charts as well, as always. And she starts sobbing. She wants her baby safe and free, please. And he tells her it's never gonna happen. And she clutches her locket and screams, go fuck yourself. I enjoy saying that too. I like the name i like that in the script. Anyway. <laughs> And she hangs up and starts destroying her garden, hitting it first with a shovel and then tearing out the plants by hand. And Luke comes out and restrains her as she begs him to let her go. And it feels like a much bigger picture of Let Me Go than just from that moment, but that's probably just my bias. I don't know. Did you guys think that or no?
2: No, I like that he didn't let her go, to be perfectly honest with you, because she was like
4: catatonic. I've been like that before, so don't let someone go. I thought it was just in the moment I didn't think it was a larger just like let me go right no, now
1: No, I just I thought she literally meant le- yeah. let me go Interesting. I agree
4: with Kate I I, oh, I, yeah. you know, I agree with you
3: I thought that she meant like let me go to New Bethlehem or go get Hannah
5: I was thinking the yeah. moment but it just bothered me that like I understand she was freaking out and there's those moments where you freak out and you kind of just need someone to like restrain you to calm you i guess but the fact that like a former rape victim is saying let me go and he's just like holding her tighter and saying it's okay it's okay it's okay and then she's like Mm -hmm. please let me go i'm like oh god Mm -hmm. this reminds me of her begging and it's just like
1: it bothered me it it really bothered
5: me
2: no i didn't bother me like at all i thought it was good that he didn't she
4: needed to calm down just a little she was like shaking right after she hung up the phone
0: very violently she was i'm torn here i'm torn here because like as a rape victim you should be able to say what you wish for your body and people listen so i don't know yeah
6: but she eventually she got sound down and yeah. yeah but he
5: wouldn't let her go so she had to couldn't overpower her. but
6: i don't know i i think he was sweet and i did he was yes
4: I just had a quick note about her ripping up the garden that felt very, very symbolic to me. Um, remember how in the early episode, she had her little garden in the house and we were, we had talked about yeah. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was tending to the ha- the plants in the house, trying to help them grow. And I think it's very symbolic of her journey. Like, you know, she was trying to heal in Canada and she had the plants and now like everything is falling apart and she's just ripping up this garden and tearing it all to shreds and yeah. She's she's, tearing, it's coming apart.
5: You know, she's tearing that apart in the same way she is coming apart. Yeah.
4: yeah,
5: Yeah. I thought it was interesting because in this whole episode, I see so many parallels to 409, which was written by the same, by Eric Tuckman. So like, because she has a call with Lawrence in that episode, so then now she's having a call with him in this one, but it's obviously a lot different. And Hannah was the topic of both of them. But, you know, I thought it was interesting where he said, Hannah is a symbol and so are you to June. I don't know if I really feel like he ever really looked at June as a symbol. I don't know. What do you guys think? He's hanging everything up on June being the symbol of New Bethlehem.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. he wanted
2: her, He wanted her to call the fucking, call the, um, I don't know, the yeah. TV, the radio stations and tell them. That was bold. You know, it was a um, foolish act of aggression from the Americans. I was like, what the fuck?
3: Yeah. I think at this point, sadly, like what they've done with Lawrence's character, like I think he just views June and Nick as pawns. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that, what they're doing.
5: That's not well. how I how I, you know, viewed Lawrence previously, but that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're trying to do. So well, I think yeah. so too, because I think that's why June got upset when he mentioned Nick, because anytime yeah. anybody mentions Nick, she gets that look on her face. But I think she as soon as he did that, she realized that he yeah. was purposely like dangling him in her face and then realizing him and nick have been like you know aligned to each other and now i think she realizes like nick is in danger because maybe i mean she doesn't know like what nick knows does nick know he's being manipulated too by him this is not safe for him either because lawrence is playing us both they're both just a means to an end that's
4: what they are Mm -hmm. they're a means to get new bethlehem and that's what he wants yeah it's
2: so sad because like to me, like Lawrence, like he always wants to get, get what he wants, obviously, but he still cared about June and her feelings and what happened to her, what happened to Hannah, even Nick's like tiny little bit, whatever. But um, I just hate if that's the way it seems to be going that he just doesn't give a fuck about June anymore and just wants this new Bethlehem thing because it just like devastates me personally.
0: And yeah. it would like devastate Eleanor is the problem, yeah. and that's what he's motivated by. So it doesn't that doesn't make sense that he would, that's what he would do. But
2: the acting in this scene was so good, and Adam Taylor as well. When I think it was like in the middle of the conversation where like massive heartbeat sounds started yeah. coming through, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, so this good. is giving me goosebumps all over. <laughs> again.
1: The only other comment I had about this was what the point when she says, you think you can just dangle Nick and you and think I will do whatever you want. She looked over her shoulder after she said that. It made me think that she was checking to see if Luke was like within the Yeah, earshot. I noticed that.
0: And I was like, oh, is he out there? That'd be awesome. He <laughs> <laughs> <It> wasn't. <laughs>
3: I know you mentioned um, her locket, but I love that after our interview with Leslie, we know that the the locket is significant to June and the way that she clutched it made me think that maybe yeah. it's enough yeah. to, and
4: Nicole and her locket. So yeah, that's yeah. what I think. I think it's right. the kids.
0: And I like that we talked about it with her before it became obviously significant.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah, I, mean, yeah I probably I
0: wouldn't yeah. have noticed it otherwise. So yeah. yeah. Props to Leslie. Awesome. She's amazing. That's coming out the following Friday. Then Serena is putting Noah in the car and Mrs. Wheeler comes out and slaps her twice. Warns her to stay away from her husband. I'm surprised he told her that Serena snuck down in the middle of the night to see him. Mrs. Wheeler calls her a whore and the maid is watching on. Obviously embarrassed for having seen Serena abused. And then the happy family gets in the car together.
5: (laughs) I thought it was funny when she said stay away from my husband like when she said that I'm like oh I'm getting like Serena vibes for when Mm -hmm. she said that to June about the whole Jezebel's thing and how she's always felt about June and Fred her
0: introduction to her basically
2: you're
5: just
0: a
2: whore (laughs) yeah I think someone in here said like Serena's a lot of things but she's she's not a whore
1: yeah, Rude. I was
2: thinking of that, but I didn't know who
1: said it. Do we know the name of the the nanny? I kept trying to pay attention and I never caught it. So I don't know if they ever mentioned her name, but I really like her. She's very yeah, sweet.
0: She seems really sweet. Yeah. And uh, then June's walking towards Tuello in a room
1: and he's still obviously very
0: upset from losing all those people and they discuss what to do june tells him she doesn't trust lawrence anymore but says we honor those soldiers by not stopping no matter what they throw at us and then twillow brings up nick blaine what about nick blaine he tells her about the deal that he offered nick in exchange for immunity that would ultimately get him to canada and he turned him down which we think was because mckinsey was there and I think even, I think Twello even offers for June to work like in the same role as Nick in Canada. She says she's not comfortable doing that job at this time. And he gets that, but he tells her Nick could still have that and he could arrange a meeting today. She thinks about it for like a second and he's like, yeah, set it up. And she either walks out motivated or pissed off at something and ready for confrontation. How did you guys read that scene and her demeanor on her way out?
1: I thought more determined, I guess. When she was walking in. That
5: was my initial feeling. I thought both. I feel like this is another parallel to 409. Like it almost reminds me a little bit of Luke approaching June about seeing Nick. But like this time it's mm. Tuello, but like the mm. vibe is obviously totally different mm. because Tuello's on her side and June is in such a different place. like it, it kind of feels like she was thrown in 409 when Luke mentioned it and I felt like she was thrown again in this time like she didn't expect to meet with him again. but also she was just you know Tuello's dropping bombshells here. like I offered Nick a deal. he can come to Canada and have immunity. like things she never thought, neither of them, I don't think ever even like let themselves think could be a possibility. So I think hearing that not only did Tuello offer him to come, but he could fight from Canada and have immunity, like, she's like, why would he not yeah, say but, yes to mm-hmm. that?
4: Yeah, but then to to go on that, you know, he also offered her the same chance to work mm-hmm. with him against Galead, and she turned him down the same way Nick turned him down, but yeah, because the time wasn't right for her, just like at the time for Nick, it, it was not right for him. And
1: mm-hmm. It's really it's a really interesting parallel, though, that I I have to think has to be deliberate, because if you look at Nick's line to Twello, what he says is, yeah, no, I can't do that right now. And when Twello makes the almost the exact same pitch to um, to June using the same language, saying you can make an impact, too. And he gives his pitch about why she's so important and why she would be a symbol. But her line is almost identical, saying I'm not comfortable doing that right now.
5: Yeah. I feel like this season we're seeing Nick and June on a parallel track. And when, when she turned him down to me, I was like, holy shit. That's like, it's like their track of converging. Cause basically in the beginning, in the beginning, they're both a mess. Like literally in episode one, the first like five minutes, they're both just mentally, emotionally a disaster, a mess. They're depressed and everything. And, and then like June's working on her relationship with Luke and Nick is married and is, Mm -hmm. I guess you'll say like accepting it or working on that. And then like Mm -hmm. they, they both are going on these journeys where they're trying, like Max said in an interview, like they're both
1: trying to make it work. They're
5: trying on these shoes. Like Max Mm -hmm. said that he's trying on the Gilead shoes and finds out it's not going to work. And I feel like that's what they're both doing. Like they're both, they both have these obligations. Yeah. That they're trying to hold on to and see if they can work. And then they both have had situations happen where they get like an epiphany or like a change of heart. Like June has the whole thing with Serena and the birth. And then mm-hmm. Nick has shooting Putnam, which I think was a turning point for him. So when, as much as it like made me sad that, you know, June has to find out that Nick was offered a deal and turn it down in a way I was kind of excited. Cause I'm like, I feel like because what i predicted was going to happen was that their their journeys would be similar and then toward in these last two episodes they would start to converge and then they mm-hmm. would end up like you said everything in the show just seems very purposeful and i just all along i felt like this has all been purposeful like we're seeing these cracks in the the marriage of June and or yeah June and Luke and that it doesn't seem like it's going to work and mm-hmm obviously Nick is affectionate with Rose, but he's not in love with her. Like this Mm -mm. is not a real marriage. So I guess I just feel hopeful that this is like the beginning of, Things kind of like, you know, con- like I said, converging in the finale. Because I think of like in season four, the three big episodes for Nick and June were episodes three, nine and ten. And in three of this season, we saw lots of parallels between the bridge scene from last year. And then in this episode, there's so many parallels to 409. Mm-hmm. So then it makes me wonder, like, are we going to see what are we going to see in the finale? Because they always had a big moment at the end. We'll see but also another thing that I thought was interesting too is that in episode eight Lawrence had said to June like New Bethlehem is better than the whole Mayday idea like May Day is not gonna work like he's trying to persuade her not to join that because he knows she would be a badass in that and you know June like we really want to see June be a part of Mayday and go underground and she hadn't you know it didn't I, I thought we'd see more of that this season and we haven't you know as soon as she went to see Tuello like she says she seems like she's actually ready to fight. Like, it's always been about Hannah. We know it's always going to be about Hannah. But for the first time, I actually felt like it was more like she's looking at the greater good now and not just Hannah. Because her mindset, like, she's in a much better place than she's ever been mentally since since getting to Canada.
0: Then Serena's in the Fertility Center campaigning for Gilead, showing them what a success it was she and her baby and the wheelers come down and, and mrs wheeler's very unhappy with serena's spotlight she tells her it's time for her to go home and rest and tomorrow mrs wheeler will come back with noah by herself And mr wheeler says it sounds like a great deal to me so it seems mrs wheeler's regained the upper hand in their marriage anyway serena accepts she's fucked and she's gonna have to leave but she's a quick thinker and says sure but i should breastfeed no first and mrs wheeler's like no nah, let me get my bottle and the maid sweeps in for the win she's amazing She clearly lies and says, oh, I forgot the bottle, sorry. She's buying Serena time and a possible exit, and I love her. especially cool since Rita arranged June and Holly's escape, even though June came back, and I don't see that happening here. Uh, Mrs. Wheeler's pissed, but she can't very well starve the baby at her new fertility center grand opening. So Serena walks out of the main room. She looks back kind of in slow-mo. The maid had opened the door for her and given her bag and thank you, little son, goodbye. And then Serena makes a run for it. She runs outside. She's trying to stop cars outside the center. And when they won't stop, she steps in front of the last car and it nearly hits her and she turns. It's an awesome scene. She begs her to help her save her son and the lovely blue haired lady in the driver's seat agrees and they speed off
2: it's so bad because i'm like i was cheering for serena to get the fuck out of there and i'm like oh my god this is serena why do i want her to like escape like i don't want her to but i do
3: i
0: felt the same way
2: oh it's so annoying you know mrs
0: wheeler shouldn't win so that's that's one thing in your defense but i get
1: it i thought it was a very strange thing i mean as as um as strict as the wheelers have been as and as controlling that they would even allow her to go off to the side to breastfeed just because, and, and, and the nanny takes her directly to the exit door.
2: And the Martha like directed her right there. Well done, good
1: job, yeah. <laughs> Also, do you guys all think that I bet she was intending for Serena to do this? That she was helping her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah.
0: yeah, she just watched her get slapped, and we watched like that like settle on her,
1: and yeah. And there's even like a window through the door that Serena looks back through, and I'm like, this is also obvious. Like, why aren't they paying attention to her? Like eagle eye, like watching her, and then stop. I mean, it just seems strange that she was even able to get away with this because they're so
5: controlling of her. Where's her security detail? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, she was breastfeeding, so she did need, like, some privacy, so... But if she'd be treated like a handmaid, do they care if she gets privacy? You know? Some people are really offended by women um, breastfeeding in public. So maybe Mr. Wheeler is one of those people.
2: I think a us would be disgusted yeah. if Serena just pulled out a boot. She probably yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Fertility center. yeah, yeah
0: yeah.
1: So this was one of the scenes we got to watch them film when we were um the bunch of us went to Toronto and we got to watch Bradley direct and it was really exciting. And and it's it's so interesting because as I'm watching this. Scene. I can even though we're not obviously we're not in the shot but I can see over in the direction to where all of us were kind of huddled off to the side and watching we we watched both the stand-in the stunt double come in and and to stand in for Serena's shots and then we saw Yvonne come out and do a lot of the same shots and it was just it's and it's it's always amazing to me how we watch them for hours for this little shot that five hours yeah five five hours and for this little shot that took a few seconds it's just amazing
0: yeah so always Saw this particular scene is Serena running out of the fertility center trying to get in a car, and we were like, Who's chasing her? Why isn't June coming out? After yeah. yeah,
1: what's going on? Yeah, we, we didn't know what the urgency was why yeah. she was running out of the building. Yeah,
0: like we are like, Somebody's trying to steal her baby. Who is it? It must be June or one of her minions. And as it turns out, Serena's just trying to steal her own baby. Yeah. I thought that I was the like, <laughs> delightful reveal months yeah. later when we were like why would June's in there trying to steal her baby somebody's stealing her baby <laughs> nope she's stealing because well, we knew nothing about the wheeler
4: the wheelers were yeah.
0: yeah no it was amazing I loved it
2: one other thing I liked about this scene is that you can you can tell who wears the pants because um, when she said she's going to go breastfeed mrs wheeler's like don't take too long and mr wheeler says i think that's up to little noah isn't it <laughs> the face <laughs> that mrs wheeler gave mr wheeler was yes. so it was amazing. amazing and
1: his his face <laughs> yeah. in response the way his face just falls in response yeah you knew he was in trouble
0: <laughs> yeah he's gonna
1: get in trouble i really love them
0: yeah all right and now for the nick and june scene we have been waiting for for eight weeks well really like a year and a half and for me personally i was hoping for more first of all i think they're back at the magdalene school like the back side of it where they met up at 409 I thought it was really cute how it started out with Nick on the stairs smoking, like he always did in Gilead at his apartment. Above the garage, he's got a shorter haircut now, presumably meant to make him look older. June's looking absolutely gorgeous. And Leslie, the costume designer for the season of *The Handmaid's Tale, actually said they do try to make June look her prettiest for Nick or extra pretty for Nick, and her amazing interview comes out the Friday after episode 10. Next Friday. But back to this episode, after the first exciting shot on the stairs, my stomach immediately fell right off the cliff when he tells her, I wish you'd said yes. And just to confirm she's not insane, she asked, New Bethlehem? And Nick says, Yeah. So let's just stop here for a second, because this is very confusing. Nick risked his life several times to get June and Holly out of Gilead in season two. He not only arranged her first escape through Mayday the moment he found out she was pregnant, he also held Fred up at gunpoint for a whole night so she could escape a second time. But then you'll remember she handed Holly to Emily and came back. And when she did come back to the Waterford house, Nick was absolutely furious with her for doing so. So the beauty of Nick's character for me is how it's not just how very much he loves her, but at the same time, how completely like selflessly he loves her. And he always wants her to be safe and free above all else. And that's the only reason that I care about this character the way that I do. So it's, it's very disappointing to me to see them try to 180 that of all things after four years of complete consistency. He would never willingly encourage her anywhere near any version of Gilead again, and especially not with his daughter. That is not Nick. For me, this is not Nick, so you guys' thoughts on this topic before we handle the rest of the meeting, Kimberly, you usually disagree with me, and I truly love that about you, so hit me with your defense, please
2: i uh, no i d- I don't think I have a defense for this one i don't there's no way that Nick for me would want Nicole in New Bethlehem. that's like oh, Nicole and June in New Bethlehem. There's no fucking way.
4: This is basically all I wanted to say about this scene um to go on you, what you just said, Kate, I felt this was the most out of character Nick has been or like for all five seasons. And it was so much to the point that After the first time I watched this, I was absolutely crushed, thinking that, you know, we're losing who he was and that, you know, this character, he's been for June. He's been so loving and kind and devoted and dedicated to getting her out and making sure she's safe. You know, he's been this bright light for her in this dark place. And um, without going into too many details, uh, I did experience a pretty sudden, tragic public loss a few years ago. And uh, in the aftermath of it, my one solace was going to bed at night and watching Nick and June scenes. It helped me remember, you know, that even through really dark times, there's always something that's good to be found and to have. Thank you for sharing
1: that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In addition to Nick always prioritizing June's safety and the safety of his daughter, the other thing that struck me about this is that he's never been naive. And in the previous episode, and since it's aired, we've seen a lot of comments about this too, is that people were getting the sense that Nick was not buying into everything that Lawrence was selling about New Bethlehem. People were thinking that he was just playing along. And it really had that vibe that he was um, like in the scene where they're they're at New Bethlehem, all of the answers that Nick gave to Lawrence were they they were all sort of dodgy he was answering questions with questions he wasn't really giving him you know, direct answers. Like you really think so. Could you now, you know, interesting proposition, this is full of risks. So most people were getting the impression as well as myself that he was not buying into everything that Lawrence was selling. And um, in addition to that, like he's always been a pragmatic character. It's how he survived this long in Gilead. He always thinks 12 steps ahead. He isn't impulsive. That, you know, that's where he and June differ. He's not impulsive. He thinks everything through. So he's always very cautious before making any decision, especially decisions that impact June. So it just if, if this what would have played out more in character to me is instead of saying, I wish you'd said yes to Lawrence's offer, rather asking her what did Lawrence tell you or what promise what did Lawrence promise you because I feel like this would have been the opportunity for Nick and June to compare notes about what's going on with with Lawrence now I don't know necessarily that he would suspect Lawrence but at the same time he would also want to warn her or be the one to blow the whistle if he's sensing on any level that New Bethlehem you know isn't what Lawrence is pitching to her you know because the last time they spoke he said keep yourself safe keep Nicole safe and I would think that that would be the message he would be sending her this time. He would be the one to blow the whistle and say, This isn't safe. New Bethlehem is a mirage. Stay in Canada.
0: He's so much smarter than how they're making him out to be in this situation. I mean, all of us are. Everybody on the internet is. Everybody on Twitter is. Everybody is saying, No, she can't go to Beth- New Bethlehem, obviously, because power changes too quickly in Gilead. Let's just say Lawrence is being genuine. Power yeah. changes too quickly in Gilead, nothing can be guaranteed. So he would never allow his child. Yeah or his love to come back into Gilead into New Bethlehem so that he can play neighbors with them. And June is
5: Gilead's number one, like public enemy, number one. They hate her. She'd be the first one to go. And he knows that. And And he's heard
1: Mackenzie say over and over again, June Osborne is a cancer. We need to cut the cancer out. I mean, he knows that June is being threatened by Mackenzie. So the only thing
2: I can think of in this scene that if Nick is just going along with it that maybe he feels like he's being watched I did notice that he was looking around quite a lot when they were talking and I just hope that was the reason that he was
5: the way that he was all season he's been like watching like they've made it a big point to keep saying Nick's a puppy he's like learning the ropes like he making it clear that he's the new guy And, you know, like in episode six, it felt I felt like it was pretty obvious how Nick was feeling like he's watching both Lawrence and. Putnam like you know they said the line like I'm learning a lot from you guys and I feel like he's been like quietly like in the shadows just paying attention and taking notes and I'm hoping that this is more of like the whole spy and a spy and a spy thing where he's trying to pretend like he's into this new Bethlehem thing when he's really not. When I watched episode eight at first I was kind of confused on what his thoughts were on new Bethlehem but then I rewatched it with my husband and it's funny to me because my husband is he loves the show but like he watches it once, and that's it. He has no investment in like anything or Nick and June like I do. But I said, like, what do you think about Nick's thoughts? And he's like, it's obvious to me that he doesn't buy it, but he's playing along and he's probably just trying to like plot something. So the only thing that I could think of, I mean, I, it was really strange to me that he was being so antsy with June and like looking around and it reminded me of episode what was it, episode three where he it, we felt like when he was in the gazebo, it seemed like he was being watched. Like I got the same vibes from him. So I was hoping maybe he said that, I don't know, just to like throw even June off to not suspect that he's up to something. The only other theory that I could think of as to why he would say that or act that way is that he's seriously depressed and is just a wreck. But I I do feel like it's obvious that Nick is in a very bad place right now, like mentally. In 409, he was wrecked by seeing June and having to say goodbye. And when I first watched that, it was like startling to me how just destroyed he was. So I kind of feel like if he's finding out he's got to meet June again and they're going to that same place and like now he knows that Rose is pregnant and he's like seriously fucked and can't leave, then maybe he's like thinking if I let myself be the way I normally am with June, like, this will destroy me. Like, there's no coming back for me. Like, I can't go back to Gilead now again, now with a pregnant wife, and keep going on. So that's the only other explanation I have. Yeah.
0: June yells at Nick for not taking Tolla's deal. They argue over the logistics of their ongoing affair, and Nick's asking why she didn't bring her family to him in New Bethlehem. She's asking why he didn't bring his family to her in Canada. And it's so interesting that they just want to be together, even if it means bringing their families too. He tells her he can't come to Canada because Rose loves Gilead. Because what is there not to love? And then June's angrily pointing out the reality to Gilead. You're going to have to get your wife pregnant. What if they make you have a handmaid and your wife has to hold her down? And he cuts her off and tells her she's pregnant already. Rose is pregnant. And June stops dead in her tracks and tries to absorb that blow. And later Nick says he has to take care of his family, which I feel is another out-of-character line because June and Holly are also his family. And June's all just bring her too. Obvi, I mean, I have Luke. And they're talking about these people like they're pets they can't get rid of.
1: Pure baggage. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's how it <laughs> What was interesting to me about that was that they've just shown us how many episodes eight episodes of june and luke trying so hard to legitimately make their marriage work and she's still in this moment speaking about luke that way so
2: she also said she has nicole though,
6: as well and nicole said, right the yeah nicole. she said that yeah and she mentioned both families so she's mm-hmm. thinking like a- both our families
5: yeah. yes but that's where i felt like he was pushing her away in a way like by saying my family and your family and she's like our families like it seemed like she was kind of like trying to remind him
1: mm-hmm. well the thing is the the thing that made me that made me think of is is that june has never really given him a real reason to hope that there could ever be anything between them beyond the period of time they had together in Gilead because he always knew, I think silently, that once she got out, she would be reunited with her husband. And ever since that's happened, I don't think he's seen anything to make him think that Even though he knows she still loves him. And when they have these moments together, they're like stolen moments. And then, like Ginger was saying earlier, it destroys him when he has her for a moment and he indulges in this moment and then he has to walk away and go back to his sad life in Gilead. So I don't think he's forgotten about the fact that June and and Nicole are also his family. But I think that for his own self-preservation, he's had to form his own life in Gilead because he knows she has her life outside of Gilead. And it's, it's even though he's not in love with Rose the way that he's in love with June. And even though in his perfect world, he would love nothing more than for, for he and June and Nicole to be a family together. It's not a reality for him. And I can't really blame him for, for wanting to carve out a little piece of, I don't know, something to call his own in Gilead because that's his reality at the moment.
0: This episode is trying to sell us that that's not what he's doing. He's also trying to bring like, have his cake and eat it too and bring June and Nicole and
1: I do question the Nicole part at this stage, because when Lawrence Fritz pitched it to to June, he did include Nicole. Um, but between that pitch and the phone call, if the focus really narrowed down onto June. And in this particular episode, the subject of bringing Nicole to New Bethlehem doesn't even really seem to be on the table.
0: Okay, so maybe Nick does not like bringing Holly.
1: I would hope so. I did like how June is in this scene because after this whole season of trying again with Luke, it was explicitly obvious that she's still deeply in love with Nick. June was definitely within what we're used to seeing with of her when she's in these scenes with Nick, where she just immediately feels all the love that she has for him. And, you know, in spite of herself, I mean, maybe she would, she would like to be able to move on with Luke, but the, she just does not feel it the same way when she's with him and we've seen it. All season even though they've tried but when she's with nick it just clicks back into place and she's she you know it's just very clear how much she's still she's still in love with him
5: it jumped out at me though where she just said what she really feels to luke like that i mean i personally have been waiting for her to tell him like I, i think it's been obvious that she's been upset about the whole him not coming to find her in seven years i don't know she told him her real feelings and she immediately apologized. And that made me upset that she felt like she had to do that because she needed to be honest with him. And then here she comes to see Nick and she just comes right in there like fiery, badass June. Like she's got her spark back. They're they're arguing a little bit about it. And she doesn't apologize. Like she's strong in her feelings. And I think for me, it was really great to see her. It almost felt like she was fighting for Nick here. Like she was ready mm-hmm. to have this argument. And I think she was going to keep going. Like, I actually kind of got the vibes, like when she said to him in season one, like, are you happy with this bullshit life? It felt like that's where she was going with that. But then once he said that Rose is pregnant, like it kind of stopped that because like she said later on, I don't want to, I don't want to be trouble for you. Mm -hmm. So I think she realized like, fuck, now that she's pregnant, like this changes the game.
0: Yeah. Finally, the argument weaves its way back to their normal closeness their natural closeness. Well, this is a fine mess, isn't it? And he recycles. It's going to be hard to see you line. And she recycles. I don't want to make trouble for you line. And then he asks her very genuinely to tell Nicole he misses her and he thinks about her all the time. Will she do that for him? And Of course. And then he says he should go because it's been 90 seconds or something after God knows how long of a drive and how many logistics <laughs> were involved in getting this meeting. That's why I think he's being watched.
3: I was wondering, though, if he's being watched, though, Why would why would he say I love
5: you to her? Because he always, because he has to.
6: I thought that when he said about the baby and he was really like sad, like he, he didn't want yeah. the, the whole talk, Um, but he changed when he approached to June. So for me, he's being genuine when yeah. he's close to June, not. Yeah before
4: i agree the times i thought he was most genuine i will say was when he was saying the stuff about holly like Mm -hmm. tell her i love her and then when he said i love you those are the two times i was like there that's he might he might still be there yeah yeah
5: see what also made me feel like he was being spied on was the fact that the whole time again he kept looking around and seemed anxious but then as soon as he like stared into her eyes like he he made it he purposely stared at her and made the deep eye contact and said i love you and like
1: yeah. It's like he forgot himself in that moment. It uh-huh. is.
5: And I, and I feel like there was actually a moment where I saw him like start to fall into her again mm-hmm. and fall into their old ways. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped himself because he knows if I do that, like it, I can't. He put that right. wall back up, which there's never been walls between them. But I, I really feel like he feels like he needs to do that in order to
1: leave. The moment where she says this is a fine mess just really resonated with me because it just told me everything i needed to know about where she stands right now emotionally speaking about where where we what we've been seeing her trying to do with luke and where she's at with and how she truly genuinely feels about Nick and because the current situation was already messy and complicated they're madly in love and they want more than anything to be together but they're unfortunately married to the wrong people which was already you know what she thought was already complicated enough but it's also like something that they could have maneuvered and they could have found a way path forward but as soon as he finds she finds out that Rose is pregnant it's like the chasm between them just became broader and deeper and um harder for them to clear a path so at that to just this is a fine mess. Just summed all that up in just that tiny little line.
0: Yeah, I think that like the pregnancy for me is also another
5: really excessively heartbreaking moment in the season. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, that hurt me the most. I just yeah. I do not believe that Nick would do that so quickly. No,
0: he would find ways not to. Yeah. Yeah. No more comments on the scene, but I did want to say I forgot to mention their little jokey joke about like she's like, oh, you drove yourself, and he's like, yeah, I'm not important enough for a driver. And the way they look at each other then. And it's just very sweet. And their mutual. I love yous, of course, are amazing.
5: Yeah, but at the end, when she says to him, children look to their fathers, you know, set an example. I feel like... She's trying to like subtly hint to him, like, think of Nicole, think of your whatever future baby. Mm -hmm. And I I do kind of feel like that's, you know, they've always, we always talk about how their relationship, they speak in code. Like they don't have to say anything, but they know how each other is feeling. And I feel like that was kind of her like speaking in code to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then everyone is celebrating Rose's pregnancy at Lawrence's house. One of the wives says something snarky about Aunt Lydia's presence. And Naomi swoops in to say the com- that was the commander's request, that she escort her. And then another wife talks shit to-, to Rose about having a baby with a disability, Calhoun's wife, right? Yeah. 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 And we're with the commanders in a separate room, Mackenzie's celebrating their win at the wives' school. Even North Korea is proud of them. Well done. That's quite the compliment for a fascist regime. Even Lawrence jokes, any club that would have me as a member. And Nick (laughs) is still laughing at Lawrence's jokes. Yeah. Lawrence tries to change the subject. It was all in all a a success. And Mackenzie says, well, June Osborne is still stirring up trouble. It's about time we fix that problem. Don't you agree? And Nick is the camera goes to Nick. He's clearly bothered. And Lawrence says, and Lawrence clearly doesn't want to say this, but he says, well, it's certainly worth considering because he's on the spot. And then the men join the women and Nick checks in to see if Rose is okay. Lawrence walks over to Naomi. Mackenzie compliments him for impressing him and surprising him. Is this regarding the school attack or Naomi? I'm unsure. Anyway, he very awkwardly puts his hand on her shoulder then. And she very awkwardly doesn't, you know, swat it off like she clearly wants to.
2: Lawrence was the one putting on a show here. Yeah. Did you
3: guys noticed the the wedding ring on Lawrence's hand? It could have been from Eleanor, but I, then I was like, oh, maybe it's for Naomi. That's interesting.
6: Mm-hmm. I thought that this is was um, the commitment, the engagement party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's what
6: I thought too. Yeah, I think so too.
1: I love Lawrence's line about any club that would have me as a member, which is a take on the Groucho Marx. Quote, I don't want to belong to any club that would yeah. accept me as a member. And I liked that Nick Smirks getting his joke, but it didn't seem like anybody else no. got
6: the joke or yeah. the self-deprecating joke. Right. If Mackenzie know that, he, he didn't laugh. No. He wouldn't,
2: yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't seem like the type of person to laugh at No. no. <laughs> One more thing I wanted to say was that I think Mrs. Calhoun is really rude. And I, I don't know, yeah, I, s- too. I don't like her very much because that was so mean to Rose. I was like mm-hmm. feeling really bad for her in that moment.
1: Yeah, she's
4: definitely one of those who just says whatever pops into her brain, like no filter.
1: Yeah. The other comment I had was um, Lawrence had a line about defying expectations at the very end and It did seem like something happened within this whole scene with the commanders that seemed to shift things for Nick, maybe just a little bit. And after he said the thing about defying expectations, it just made me think that maybe Nick's expectations are the ones that he's defying or one of them. It just
0: makes me think
5: of Wicked, the musical,
0: (laughs) defying gravity. Defying gravity.
5: (laughs) And then the commanders had said to him, uh, to Lawrence, you're truly one of us now, praise be. And that's when Nick holds the glass up, but the look he gives him, it's like, right there like this whole scene I feel like if Nick didn't realize before um then he at least realizes now that Lawrence is no longer like whatever relationship or alliance they had together like that's cut now like he really is on his own and doesn't have anybody in his corner so as much as that is awful and it makes my heart break for Nick to think that he doesn't have anybody now like in Gilead at least it gives me hope that maybe he'll take Tuello's offer or or do something huge in the finale. So we'll see.
0: Then in Little America, Tuello is reading the names of all the soldiers killed in the Hannah rescue attempt. And I do, I do like the previous scene in season two, I think when they were doing this after the red center bombing, but this is now there are protesters because people are assholes and and they're loudly protesting as Tuel is reading the names, and then he calls Elijah's daughter up to read the Pledge of Allegiance. And she stumbles through the allegiance, and June asks her mom if she can help her, because Emma's mom is beside her, and her, and her mom is in tears, and she nods yes, and it's adorable. And then June walks forward and she and Emma are saying the pledge together. June's on her knees and then she stands up. The protesters are very distracting. Plus Emma's dad has just died. Rita Moira there too. You see Rita's single pearl necklace in honor of her son. And then there are gunshots. There's a slow moment where June looks down at Emma. And then she dives on top of her to protect her. As we see bullets being fired through the American flag. Fucking heartbreaking ending. I mean the fucking kid's dad just died and now they're firing shots at them it's just really sad it's a very sad ending
4: yeah do we think this was gilead trying to assassinate her that was my thought especially coming off of the last scene where they were talking about taking care of her and
0: yeah i sure hope so because like yeah people shoot refugees even if you're unhappy in your own town you really yeah. like protest like shoot them
1: to, and a separate note i had did anybody catch The way Luke looked so uncomfortable and strange and awkward during the pledge of allegiance, I I couldn't figure out why. Because he was kind of looking to the side, he wasn't he wasn't reciting it with them.
3: I think he feels guilty that you know they're the reason that all these people are dead. Yeah, maybe. So,
0: and he hasn't been in that position before, and she has. Yeah, that's true. As fucked up as it Mm -hmm. is, like this is his first time through it. That's true. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our analysis of Season 5, Episode 9. Come back next week for the season finale. Um, but I actually come back in two days for our interview with Ever Carradine and Stephen Kunkin, who play Yay. the Putnams. And it's amazing. It was very enjoyable, two hours of our life, which hopefully we can cut down to less than two hours but come back and check it out on friday thanks for listening bye, bye. 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 okay fine i'm just gonna finish it hush child finish, finish it show. finish him
4: <laughs> fatality
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <Yes>.
4: <laughs> please go in the bloopers i like that Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>